Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Steffi. I am excited to welcome back to the podcast, Mike Carmen from the Lafayette Journal and Courier. He covers Purdue football and got an interesting matchup. So Mike, thanks for joining me. Hey, thank you for uh, reaching out. Good to see you again. Yes, good to see you too. So first of all, I want to ask about this wide receiver that Purdue has this year. I heard that he's having like almost like an all-American season. Let's see. His name <laughs> is uh, Charlie Jones. I'm not sure if anybody from <laughs> Iowa has heard of this guy. Well, Sounds like he's I, having quite the season. But I, I understand the snark in your in your uh, in your voice in your comment, <laughs> but I'm not sure Iowa people actually knew about him, did they? Because he wasn't anywhere on the depth chart. Now, I know he returned a lot of punts for Iowa and was Big Ten returner of the year, so maybe they were aware of him. But uh, the question I've had this year, it's like, you know, with with the struggles Iowa has had on offense, would Charlie Jones been an option for them at receiver this year to try to, to elevate their offense? Well, I think the thing, the challenge would be, would they be able to get him the ball? Well, like they had some of these passes until Northwestern. <laughs> of course, Northwestern was its own game, and we'll see how much of that translates into the future. But if they didn't have a quarterback who could get the ball to Charlie Jones, you don't know how effective he would have been. But they certainly could have used to have at least that matchup option when they at one point had one scholarship wide receiver available. Right. No, Charlie's been a godsend for uh, the program because they needed uh, a number one receiver uh, based on graduation and the fact that Milton Wright, who probably was Purdue's next NFL caliber receiver behind David Bell, uh, was academically ineligible for the bowl game and then academically ineligible for this year. So they needed, they needed someone. And, uh, you know, Jeff Brom has been honest that he didn't know a whole lot about Charlie Jones when this whole thing started. And he really leaned on Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback, to basically sell him on on his skill set and what he could bring to the team. Now, Aiden and Charlie have a previous relationship from youth football way back in the day where they played baseball and football together. So Aiden, uh, uh, you know, Aiden knew Charlie Jones from uh the Buffalo Grove Bills I think that's their <laughs> I think that was their youth team but and he had kept in touch with him but you know didn't know everything so Jeff kind of took a flyer uh on him and then once they got him here and looked at him and uh figured he could he could really help them and then his production really early in the year was has been excellent he's been nicked up and banged up and you know, the off week, he didn't practice last week. And uh, I assume he'll still be limited this week. Uh, they're just they're just trying to get him to game day each week now. But he's his production has been off the charts. Uh, he's obviously the number one guy. Um, and he's, you know, he's filled a big void for them. And he's, you know, he's one reason why they are in a position to, you know, clinch a bowl game here in the month of November, but also still have a chance to win the Big Ten West. And it sounds like the Chuck Sizzle nickname has <laughs> caught on. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, any any time a guy's catching ten balls a game, uh, there's there's an attraction there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, people people have caught on to him, and um, that you know they like like what he's brought. Um, you know, he's he's he scored some, you know, made some big plays and scored some big touchdowns for him. Uh, they just, they, you know, they need that to continue. And, uh, they've got these next two weeks, they're probably facing, well, when you factor in Wisconsin too, they're, they're three game stretch here facing some really good defenses. Uh, they're going to have to figure out a way to, to move the ball, uh, down the field through the air and, you know, get some big plays over the top. And then speaking of the Iowa to Purdue transfer pipeline, <laughs> got Tyrone Tracy too, who, Last year, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have it right next to me, but he had a tweet that I later deleted about why having a Swiss Army knife when you don't use it. Has Tyrone Tracy, has the Swiss Army knife been used at Ross-Aid Stadium? I thought, based on the spring, because he got here in um, in January, that we would see more of him, but we haven't. Um He's not, you know, the first game against Penn State, he wasn't that heavily involved. And then we brought it up the next week during uh, Jeff Brom's, you know, weekly press conference. And then against Indiana State, you know, he had, he was really involved early. But I, I thought he would be more of a factor uh, in this offense. And when you go back to the spring, you know, and spring is spring, and that's what it is. But the way they used him in the spring – in the backfield and also uh, at, at receiver, you know, I, you know, I thought they had a chance to really have a dynamic weapon there, but that it hasn't panned out like that. Um, it, part of that is because they did get Charlie Jones as well. Um, but I, you know, you, you wonder if there's something behind the scenes that's happening where he's not been uh, as involved, you know, is he picking up on the offense as well as he should? Is he, you know, does he have too much on his plate trying to be a running back and trying to be a receiver? But anyway, I, I've I've been a little disappointed based on the production, but also his involvement, which is not, you know, I don't know if it falls on him all the way. But, you know, I think he's a guy that they they can use more and should use more. But, you know, here we are in November and pretty much your identity is who you are. So we'll see if any of that changes here over the next four games. And then while we're talking about the receiving core, seems like Purdue is quite the tight end with Payne Durham. Yeah, he's he's a great option in the middle. Um, he was open over the middle against Wisconsin a lot. Um, I, I do think that Aiden O'Connell does get fixated on Charlie Jones, which is easy to do. And you, the, he got fixated on David Bell, too, and other receivers that have come through Purdue, the quarterbacks have. But I think the tight end is – you know, Payne has really done a good job. Um, he's had some big moments and some big games. Um, but I, I do think they he disappears when when he shouldn't. He's he's been excellent in the red zone. Uh, but I think they should use him more. But they're also Purdue's also trying to protect him from an injury because they don't have a lot of depth at tight end. They lost their number two tight end in practice in August. Uh, and they had some big plans to use both Garrett Miller and Payne Durham. Uh, this year but Payne will come up with big plays on third down uh he he's someone you have to pay attention to if you're if you're the defense and um I I think you know in a way 
if he can get more involved in November, that's going to increase Purdue's chances of potentially winning the West and, and having a good month to finish this season out. Our producer might have to bleep out David Bell, considering <laughs> there might be a few not so great memories. Well, there if from- you watch that game last night, it wasn't that David Bell caught passes and he caught a couple, but mm-hmm. they highlighted a few blocks that he made. And that, to me, that was the most overlooked thing of David Bell's game is his ability and his desire to block on the perimeter. And I know he caught a ton of balls against Iowa and all that, but he, he's a, he was an excellent blocker in college and has carried that over to the, to the pro level. And I know David Bell's a four letter curse word in Iowa, but uh, <laughs> along with some other receivers over the last five or six years, but um, now nah, David, you know, David's a talented guy. And I, I think Iowa fans, as much as they don't, they don't like him. I think they appreciate his, oh, yeah. his talent level. I think there's a level of respect <laughs> there. And then Aiden O'Connell, I was looking at his stats this year, and they don't seem to be quite as good as last year. But I think you would probably, if you were an Iowa fan, you would take those numbers in a heartbeat. What's been kind of the situation for him this year? Well, one of the interesting questions coming in was how, how would he perform without a David Bell? Um, because Purdue's had this run of really good receivers, Rondell Moore and David Bell over the last few years that, you know, to be honest, I mean, would bail you out of bad throws and you could just, or you could just throw it to a, to a spot knowing that David or Rondell or whoever would, would get there, would get the ball, but they don't have that kind of receiver right now. You know, Charlie Jones would be the closest one and he has a connection with Charlie, but um, his percentage is not what it was last year. And it was, to be honest, it was going to be hard to duplicate what he did last year because he had, he got on a run of, five, six, seven games of 70% or better. And that's just, that's hard to do, you know, especially with when you don't have the the same level of receivers that you've had. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, a couple of weeks ago against Nebraska, he was really good. He made some NFL caliber throws and it, it wasn't just one. It was a handful of throws that, that NFL scouts will pour over uh, in the evaluation process, but la- you know, the last game against Wisconsin, he was not good. Uh, he had, he had a pick pick six where he just threw it to the guy and he had another interception that he threw it to the same guy. Uh, and he just wasn't sharp. He wasn't, he wasn't comfortable in the pocket and that's, that's more of a protection issue, but uh, he needs to play better. Um, he still has the arm strength. You know, he can't run worth, he can't run any faster than you and I. Uh, <laughs> so he's not a scrambler, uh, but he's got to move the pocket a little bit. Um, and he just needs to be more pinpoint with his uh, his throws, especially facing this Iowa defense, and then the next week against Illinois. Uh, I think I, I think Illinois and Iowa have a combined twenty three interceptions this year, and uh, they're going to be looking to pick him off. And they, you know, they've studied the film against Wisconsin, and they're going to they're going to try to do the same thing. But he he needs to be sharper. Uh, he knows it, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens Saturday. And then on the defensive line, Iowa fans will be happy to hear nor, no more George Karlaftis. What should they expect from that position group? Uh, the defensive line is is a deep group. Um, they, they will play up to 12. They have played up to 12 players in that group. They've been, they've been okay against the run, well, better than okay against the run in, in Big Ten play. Now Wisconsin got them a couple weeks ago, but, you know, Wisconsin gets everybody. Um, so they, they need to tighten up some things there. Uh, 
he gave up too many. Um, there were a couple long runs uh, that that really hurt them, but they're they're giving up in Big Ten games or around a hundred yards a game, which I think is okay. But and we know that Iowa is going to be committed to running the ball as well. Uh, but it's a it's a deep group. The tackles are good with Branson Dean and Lawrence Johnson, the the edge guys. Cadron uh, uh, Jenkins he got injured against Wisconsin, didn't return, but it looks like he will play on Saturday, or at least he'll be a game time decision. Jack Sullivan is a guy that's kind of taken uh, George's spot on the edge. He had a sack against Wisconsin. Their issue is they they just haven't generated a lot of plays in the backfield. Now they they are averaging three sacks a game in the last three games. Uh, they need more pressure on the quarterback to really help what's the problem. The biggest problem on defense is the secondary and they need more pressure. They need, they need to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands sooner, uh, not let him go through all his progressions, but it's been the strength of the defense has been the defensive line. And it's really going to have to step up uh, here in November uh, to keep Purdue alive. You were mentioning the weakness of the secondary. It seems like if this is if there's a desired matchup outside of Northwestern that still does not have a win in this continent, <laughs> as we were saying beforehand, O for America. <laughs> so aside from Northwestern, this seems to be a good opportunity for Spencer Petrus with just the weakness of Purdue's secondary. Well, first of all, we don't know exactly who's going to play because they're both their starting cornerbacks left the Wisconsin game with injuries and didn't return. And based on what Jeff Brom said Monday, they had not practiced um, last week. Uh, the goal was to get them to practice on Sunday. That did not happen. Uh, you know, uh, Tuesday is will be the next opportunity. Um, you know, if those two guys don't play, then you're really digging deep into the depth. And they don't have a lot of depth there, uh, so you would see some guys move around. But even even when these guys have been healthy, it, it's been low, low, low production. I mean, what, uh, Nebraska just burned burned them, you know, so much. They were chasing Trey Palmer and that receiver, all those receivers around all night. Uh, Wisconsin was was somewhat similar. Uh, they've just had some, they've had issues back there, and whether it's the scheme, whether it's they're being coached wrong or whatever. I mean, there's just a lot of, they have, they've had a lot of problems back there and they don't face. Now I was not the greatest throwing team in the world. Now, Illinois can get you through the air based on the season uh, DeVito's having, but when you look at Northwestern Indiana, they don't scare you from a passing standpoint. So, you know, Purdue is probably playing the right teams with a, a weak secondary, but you can't let guys get behind you. And that's been the problem. And that's not just the cornerback position. It's been the safety position as well. And one of the, one of the guys that I really enjoyed watching during his career, Cam Allen, you know, he, he played well early in the year, but now he's, he's chasing guys left and right. So they need a, they need a serious come to Jesus meeting in the secondary because, you know, that, that has been exposed. And as you know, Teams are just going to keep going at it, keep going at them until Purdue can prove that uh, it can, you know, can stop it. And that's why I think a better pass rush would help. 
because you don't know if the secondary is going to get turned around and how, you know, how healthy they're going to be. So they have a lot of issues back there. And right now that that would be the area of their whole team that would probably hold them back from winning the big 10 West. And then on the offensive side position that I forgot to touch on running back, it seems like they have a little more production this year than in past years with the emergence of Devin Maccabee. Yeah, he's, you know, he was a walk-on that uh, joined last year, didn't play. Um, and through some, through some injuries, he's, he's gotten an opportunity and he's, he's rushed for a hundred yards in three of the last four games. Jeff Brom calls him crazy legs. He has, he has a very unique and different running style. Uh, his, his vision and his ability to cut back, uh, is probably different than any other running back Purdue's had over the years. Uh, he's got good speed. I mean, he had that one run against Minnesota at the end of the game that kind of sealed it. Uh, but you know, he had 178 yards against Nebraska, which I know they're not the standard bearer of, of defense nowadays, but still, I mean, they, they've, they've found their number one running back at least through this year. And, you know, he needs to stay healthy. The offensive line has done a good job this year. It's a veteran group. Um, and they've opened some good holes, but yeah, they're, they're getting decent production out of the running game. They should get Dylan Downing back who had a hundred yards against Florida Atlantic earlier this year to help, help with the depth there. And they've got a, um, Kobe Lewis, who is a transfer from central Michigan. He's part of the rotation. Now King Daru, who came into the years their number one running back likely will not play this week because of an injury. So they've got three guys that are going to rotate in there, but Devin has clearly established himself as the number one guy. And, um, and he's got, you know, as you know, he's got a tough chore to, to find some holes in that Iowa defense. And, uh, you know, if Purdue can run the ball effectively, that's, that's certainly going to help their cause on Saturday. Oh yeah. And you look at the last, if I'm doing my math right, the last four games, Michigan and Illinois had a lot of success running the ball is well, relatively a lot of success. Then Iowa did better against Ohio State and Northwestern. They beat Northwestern and Ohio State. It wasn't the rush defense that was the problem. So you see just how much of a difference that facet of the game can make. And it'd be remiss of me as a special teams nerd to not ask about special teams. So you got Chuck Sizzle doing returning. I don't think if I was looking at it correctly, I don't think he's taken one to the house yet this year. He's barely, he's barely one. He's barely taken one to the backyard. Let's put it <laughs> that way. Um, yeah, it just, it, it hasn't, it hasn't got on track for, you know, you know, we thought when, when, when Charlie came that the, one of the big assets for Purdue was okay. He can help kind of change the, direction of their special teams in the punt return game or kickoff return. Well, it, it, it hasn't happened for, you know, a variety of reasons. You, you know, the other team does have, they practice punting and they practice when they, where they're going to punt to and all that kind of stuff. He's had enough opportunities. It just hasn't happened for him. So you wonder if it's the scheme they're, you know, they have, or some other factors. He's had a couple of nice runs, but nothing, nothing that, uh, that that we thought and you know maybe our expectations were a little bit too high uh you know because he came in with great credentials and all that you would you know expect it but um yeah that area of special teams probably hasn't produced like we thought but 
you know, Mitchell Fennerin, their kicker, you know, he's he, the last two years, he's kind of hit a rut and then finishes strong. Their punter, Jack Ansel, um, is probably more consistent this year than he has been last year. You know, this would be his second year uh, punting for Purdue. You know, they haven't got a lot out of the kickoff return. Uh, their coverage has been okay. Um, you know, right now, I don't think special teams has really cost them a game in any way, but I don't think special teams has won them a game either. So depending on how you look at it, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what happens. They've had a punt blocked. Uh, I think Nebraska got them a few weeks ago. Um, so it, they've been there, but you haven't really noticed them unless something bad happens. And then still early in the week, but do you have a score prediction yet? Uh, I don't, this is going to be, um, I mean, as you know, if you fall behind Iowa, you know, you're running uphill the rest of the day and you can't let Iowa get a turnover and score. You can't let their defense score. You can't let their special team score any points they get. Iowa has to earn on offense. And if Purdue can avoid that, you know, I think Purdue can win the game, but you and I both know we can't predict here sit here and predict that <laughs> on Tuesday. I mean, when you look at Purdue's success against Iowa under Jeff Brom, you would lean, you would lean toward Purdue uh, because they've kind of figured, you know, for whatever reason, they've kind of figured them out and Iowa for whatever reason, doesn't seem to adjust. Now, do they blanket Charlie Jones more than, than what they normally would with a receiver or do they do some different things? You know, I, I I anticipate probably a low scoring game on Saturday. Um, you know, first one to ten wins. I I, I don't <laughs> I don't know for sure, um, but I, I don't have a score yet. Uh, I would probably lean toward Purdue right now to win the game because I do think they're more balanced across the board than than Iowa. I mean, Iowa seems to be dependent on its defense to not only put its offense in a position to score, but also to score for them. Yes, and exactly. that's a lot, that's a lot, that's a lot to ask of a, of a team. And, you know, if Purdue can get some chunk plays, uh, that'll soften some things up. I, but I would lean toward Purdue right now uh, based on, you know, what we know here uh, early in the week. And to me, the most fascinating stat, stat about Iowa, and when you um, take away what Michigan and Ohio State did to them, offensively two two best teams in the league they're only giving up a touchdown and a half in those other six games so you know Purdue has this work cut out to try to get on the board and try to maintain some drives but also finish off drives uh and that's you know if you're from a Purdue standpoint that to me that's a concern if you're only if teams are only getting one touchdown on average against them and your name's not Michigan and Ohio State then you've got some serious work uh, ahead of you. And that's why I say I think it'll be a low-scoring game. And, and and as you mentioned, special teams, you know, field goal, if you get in a position, I think whatever team, you know, whatever team can get in position to score, they need to take the points when they can because I think points will probably be at a premium on Saturday. Yeah. And the thing, too, with the touchdown and the half is – that's despite opposing teams having some short fields just because the right. offense hasn't been able to sustain drives and a punter can only do so much. 
Right. So the funny comments I was seeing on social media because the punting is winning shirts are very <laughs> popular in Iowa City. Well, well I mean, that, that can that can work for you, man. That can really that can work for them. Uh, yeah. They're still, I mean, strange things can happen. I mean, as far fetched as it sounds, Iowa can still win the Big Ten West. <laughs> Sir, I mean, I, I yeah, because if if things fall apart for Illinois and Purdue in the month of November, who's going to be waiting there? to clean up the pieces, either Iowa or Wisconsin. Yeah. One of those two teams are going to probably pick up the pieces if Illinois and Purdue find themselves on the side of the road with a flat tire in the month of November. Oh, yeah. And you don't know what Minnesota team is going to show up either. Well, I think they're getting healthy now. I think they're yeah. kind of back. But um, they they there's something missing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not, I don't know if it's a, pl- I don't think it's a player, just, there's just something missing there with them, but they, they will have a, they could factor into how this West is eventually won. If Illinois and Purdue, you know, fall apart here uh, in November, I think, you know, it's pretty clear that either Illinois, and Purdue, they have, they have their path to win the West, but if one of them would lose here uh, or both of them lose, in the next few weeks, then, you know, it's going to open the door for maybe Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa, when we could be headed towards a, a five-way tie uh, atop the league. And don't ask me about tiebreakers. <laughs> I was going to say, my head is already hurting thinking about <laughs> the five-way tie scenarios. Well, the other question becomes, do you really want to win the West knowing who's on the other side? <laughs> <laughs> so, Iowa fans probably know that as well as anybody. After that 42 to three game that right. our producer Nathan is probably also gonna have to bleep out. <laughs> so, you know, there's you still get the benefit of having a Big Ten West champion banner up, but I also don't have a score prediction quite yet at this point in the week, but I'm leaning towards Purdue. They seem to have figured out Phil Parker better than anybody else. And you look at it, the Northwestern game was encouraging, but is it encouraging enough to make up for a team that probably is not Iowa's most favorable matchup? I don't quite think so, but we'll see what happens on Saturday. Yeah, and that's that's the thrill of it. You, you, there's so much unknown that you, you watch it unfold and then uh, see where it goes from there. Well, Mike, thanks for joining me. Hey, not a problem. Thanks for reaching out and uh, best of luck to you, but not to your Packers. <laughs> and best of luck to you, but not your Bears or your Cubs in the offseason. Okay. Well, hopefully we spent some money. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to our listeners for tuning into another episode of Hawk Off the Press. I'll be back with another edition after the Purdue game of the Hawk off the press after the final score. Until then, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.